0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. We're now into the thick of 2022. So how's it going? Have you found your feet yet? Is everything in a pattern and running smoothly? Since becoming a parent, I have realised how important routines are for both myself and my kids, but I've also realised that these things often don't go to plan. The last few years have reinforced how unpredictable life can be. Mindfulness can be a way to find solid ground when everything starts to shift. Dr. Elise Bailieu is the founder of Mindful in May. Hi, Elise. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) Now, most people know about mindfulness, um, but it might be challenging to imagine it as part of family life. And I know that you have two small children, three and six. How do you incorporate mindfulness into your family?
1: Yeah, I, as you were saying that, what came straight to my mind is I actually don't know how I would survive as a parent without my mindfulness skills. So just for the listeners who might be wondering what mindfulness is, um, it's really a practice of developing emotional regulation. So that means really knowing what's going on from moment to moment within yourself. So from an emotional perspective and outside of yourself in relationships, really being present to what's happening. And that is also being present to your emotions so that you can actually have more capacity to manage whatever's happening in this moment. And you'd think that this is something we're normally quite good at, but I think most listeners would relate to the, the idea of, oh, where are my car keys and where's the kids' water bottles and, you know, where's this, where's that? We don't often ask ourselves, where is my mind right now, you know? And so mindfulness is about saying, where am I in this moment? What's happening? What am I present to? And for me, that's been an absolute lifesaver as a parent because, our kids learn by osmosis predominantly. They learn by modelling. They learn by what they see. And so mindfulness gives us as parents a way to manage our own emotions in the heat of things when we're triggered, which, let's be honest, as parents happens very frequently, (laughs) and gives us opportunities to reset ourselves, to come back to our centre, to remember to take a breath and to respond with greater wisdom. So really... Mindfulness is an essential toolkit for me and, you know, for the
0: people I've, I've, I've taught, thousands of them, it's just been a game, an absolute game changer. It also seems like that would be very helpful if you get into a cycle of negative self-talk, which I imagine um, when you're a new parent, you know, you're on such a steep learning curve and sometimes you can lose perspective and feel like you should know everything. So I imagine mindfulness might help Particularly in those early weeks and months of parenthood, where mothers, let's face it, can be very self critical.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of giggling to myself because it's not just the first few months, it's forever. <laughs> I mean, let's, yes. I mean, you know, it's parenthood is such a blessing, but it's also the biggest challenge I think any of us ever face. And we are so often not living up to the, the, High standards that we hold for ourselves and depending on our personalities, you know, some more, more critical than others, but you know, it's often been called that the thoughts in our mind and the stories that we tell ourselves have often been referred to in, in some of these mindfulness teachings as the fake news. And (laughs) so mindfulness can really help us have a new relationship with our minds that we actually start to become more aware of what's going through the mind and better at recognising when it's real and when it's the fake news. And when it's the fake news, we can stop. And when I, what, I, what I mean by fake news is, you know, I mean, I'm currently recovering from COVID in ISO and I've got my two little ones at home and I'm like, those thoughts come up, you know, oh, too much TV and why can't I just get it together and you know do more crafts and you know <laughs> and and it's like fake news. Hello, fake news. Because a, I do a bit of that anyway, and b, give yourself a break. And so that's where compassion comes in. And you can't separate mindfulness and compassion because mindfulness is really bringing attention to this present moment with kindness and friendliness and 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 really opening to what's here without criticism. So hundred percent mindfulness is important for helping us with our inner critic as well.
0: People might conflate meditation with mindfulness, and while there are similarities, there are also differences too. I mean, how would you distinguish between those two um, practices?
1: I think that meditation is like a general word, sort of how we talk about sport. Like there's sport, and then there's cricket, tennis, basketball. And so under the banner of meditation, there's many different forms of meditation and mindfulness meditation is one of those particular schools. And my, But mindfulness can be practiced, not just sitting on a cushion. And in fact, the whole purpose of meditation is not to just do it when we're sitting in a quiet room. It's about turning our whole life into constant opportunities to come back to the present moment and, and be here now for our life rather than being constantly distracted and kind of missing it as it's happening. So mindfulness can be done sort of like a gym. You know, you can go to the gym and you can put that time aside, but you can also just do incidental exercise throughout the whole day, like walking to the shops and um, fitting it in, not just in that formal practice.
0: So speaking of the um, times you can go to the gym to practice, you founded Mindful in May, which is a program, an online program people can join. Can you talk to me a bit about how that works mindful in may and why you decided to um, dedicate a whole month to it sure so first of all i want to say to the listeners particularly you know the parents
1: in, in in the room that one of the biggest obstacles that many people feel is that they just don't have time to meditate and i understand that i have two young kids and so mindful in may was a program that i put together it's been running for 10 years now and it's an it's the largest online global fundraising meditation campaign and it has two aims to help people to make meditation really accessible give people the challenge of just doing 10 minutes a day even busy parents can find 10 minutes and we give you all the resources you need so we literally take you by the hand and give you what you need every day And by the end of May, you have a meditation habit that is really manageable and doable. And we've also done research with uh, Monash University and looked at, is 10 minutes enough? Because people wonder that. And the good news is, it is. It really was shown to support significant measurable benefits for people around managing their stress more effectively, around, we used a flourishing tool and people described greater flourishing after a month of 10 minutes a day. Um, People also just sense that they were much more present in their lives and that helped them to actually feel more content and and manage difficult situations with more skill. So that's the first aim of Mindful May. And then the bigger aim is that, you know, we are, if you can log online and you're listening to this, then you're amongst the privileged on this planet. And there's nearly one in nine people on the planet that this day and age, we're talking about a day and age where there's self-driving cars and cryptocurrency But one in nine people on the planet still can't access clean, safe drinking water, which I think everyone would agree is just not okay. And so this campaign is about doing something for the global community, stepping outside yourself and turning your attention outwards and knowing that when we come together, we can all make a positive difference. And it takes just $50, a donation of $50 to bring clean water to one person's life forever. And so, Mindful in May helps you create a clear mind, and it helps those in places that can't access clean water get clean, safe drinking water. And we bring all of the world's best teachers, best meditation teachers, neuroscientists, and we give you these transformative, kind of bite sized practices that you can bring into everyday life across all domains, whether that's relationships, parenting, well being. So, um, it really is you know, a life changing program and that, that's certainly we've received that feedback from thousands of people that do it every year.
0: And I must say there are a lot of mindful teachers out there now, but when I look at the website, you're not kidding when you say you've got, you know, some big names there in, in the world of mindfulness. What would you say to those people who might say, well, there's lots of different programs out there. Why should they start with this one?
1: Well, I would say, you know, you're right, there are so many different programs out there and I would say it doesn't matter what program you start with, just start with a program because I can tell you if you haven't gotten onto this, it is life-changing and people that have signed up to Mindful in May have written to me at the end and they've just been devastated that they haven't discovered this eight years ago. They can't (laughs) believe it's been running for so many years and they missed out. I think the key though for people is that, you know, you can download an app. And some of the apps are absolutely fantastic. But what the apps don't give you is real-time community. And from my practice in psychiatry, so I was a doctor before running this, uh, and and sort of looking at habit change, one of the biggest ingredients there is community to stay accountable. And so people find that in Mindfully May, because there's this massive sense of you're doing this in real time with other people it creates a lot of energy and motivation for your practice I think that really holds people and then the second thing is the cause doing something where you're dedicating it not just to your own well-being but you're putting a donation down and you're saying I'm doing this not only for myself but to make the world a better place it also inspires and and really ignites that motivation so I would say doesn't matter where you learn mindfulness. This is just one of the many offerings on the planet. But if you happen to be lucky to hear about it, then I I say jump in. You've got nothing to lose and only life-changing tools to gain.
0: We were speaking before about your young children, three and six, and I was asking you how you incorporate, incorporate mindfulness into your family life. Now, you did explain how how it really helps you and grounds you and you couldn't do family life without it but how exactly do you practice mindfulness do you find yourself carving out that time to sit down and practice or is yours more a practice in motion no it's
1: definitely carving out time that's kind of a non-negotiable with the practice because that's kind of where you know you're really training that that mindfulness muscle you're really you're putting things to the side and you're giving dedicated time like you would practice the piano. You can have a dabble, but really it's practicing those scales that builds that muscle. So that's kind of a non-negotiable from my perspective. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, parents would would notice, if you notice your own behavior, you can notice that, you, you know, if you look at how often you spend on getting caught up on social media and how easily 15 minutes just disappears I don't think the issue is that we don't have time. I really don't, even with young kids. I think it's really an issue of prioritization. And, you know, you don't have to spend 30 minutes doing mindfulness. Of course, the more you practice meditation, the better. But if you can just carve out even three minutes, you know, starting with something really small but just committing to that. Um, And it could be I often do it in the car before I pick up my daughter from school, I'll just set my timer and sit there and do some practice. I do it before I go to sleep at night. I sprinkle it actually throughout my day, um, but I always have a dedicated amount of time that I that I would practice. And then, you know, just to speak to actually doing it with your kids, um, I, you know, you'd be amazed at even a two-year-old. You know, I was doing different practices with my with my kids from when they were really young Uh, one of them is called the meditation buddy where you lie them on the ground and you put a little teddy on their belly and you get them to watch the teddy oh look teddy's rising teddy's falling can you make the teddy go to sleep and we just start to connect them to their bellies the other thing i often i used was what's called a time in corner so you know out with the time out that's very kind of 1990s uh (laughs) so the time in corner It's like a time-in calm corner. So I used to do this particularly with my first daughter. When there was a tantrum or a meltdown, we'd start practising going to the time-in and we'd have it set up as this really gorgeous corner with some cushions and there were some posters we had where different faces that look particular like different emotions and then we'd have the next poster is what can you do to calm yourself down. So we'd have, you know, have a drink of water, squeeze your angry ball, a few different options there you know, do a puzzle. And, you know, I would do this with her regularly. And then to my, you know, complete surprise, to be honest, because I was kind of experimenting at about two and a half, she'd have her tantrum and she'd go, I need to go to the time in corner. And she'd go over there. And I mean, not all the time, obviously, this isn't like not to glorify it or anything, but (laughs) I'm just saying that, you would, you know, parents could be surprised by how much a two, two-and-a-half-year-old can learn about emotions from such a young, young age. And I think if we can give this to our kids, gosh, like how, how well-resourced they'll be as they grow up to adults. And in Mindfully May, we have, you know, we have experts on mindfulness in kids. One of the experts you, your listeners might want to run off and check out is Susan Kaiser Green, Greenland, who's got a book, The Mindful Child, I highly recommend, Um, So, yeah, lots of resources for parents in Mindful May as well.
0: Well, now I just want May to come really quickly, which is kind of contrary to the whole mindful thing about being in the present moment. That's what a lot of people said. And so I got kind of pushed into solving that problem.
1: So I actually wrote a book called The Happiness Plan, which is kind of, it's a one-month program as well. And, in fact, there's many people starting that before May to kind of get their mindfulness happening. So if people are <laughs> too impatient, they can go and check that out while they're waiting for 1st of May to arrive.
0: All right. Well, I'll definitely put links to both things in the notes of this episode. Elise, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. That's Dr. Elise Bailey. She is the founder of Mindful in May. Make sure you check out the notes in this episode to get more information.